Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged with Mark Fielding Hello, welcome to Series 4, Episode 18 of Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged. As you know, I'm Mark Fielding, Psychotherapist and Relationship Counsellor and your host. Today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Jack McLean, uh, the visionary behind Prepare Like a Pro. With an unwavering dedication to the fitness industry throughout his career, his passion lies, lies in empowering individuals for high performance achievements while embracing the journey towards excellence. Embarking on his fitness journey as a swimming teacher for adults during high school, he soon found his calling. After obtaining his personal training certificate from the Australian Institute of Personal Trainers, he was ignited by the progress and motivation of his clients, propelling them towards self-improvement. His journey extended to coaching athletes as part of the Caulfield Gram Grammarians football team's pre-season programme, not only refining their performance, but also curbing injury risks. His fascination with competitive CrossFit enriched him with profound lessons in pushing boundaries and honing gymnastic and Olympic weightlifting skills. Five enriching years working for the Box Hill Hawks, Hawthorne Football Clubs, amalgamated his strength and conditioning expertise. His current role as the Melbourne Football Club strength and rehabilitation coach propels him forward with new learnings and insights. At Prepare Like a Pro, his philosophy encompasses the quintessence uh, of high performance involving top-tier coaching and programming for optimal athletic development um yeah i mean i had a look at your quite a cv jack <laughs> you've done a lot haven't you? Uh, thank you over the years i mean i always kick I've off tried. Just, <laughs> I, I always kick off by just asking our guests around what personal experiences led led them into the field i mean how how did you get into this field yeah i think um it's a good question actually it's a good one to reflect on but uh i reckon it's something that i've always been I guess, gravitated towards movement um, as a kid, just loved playing sport. Uh, but also, I think, like, so mothers of Chinese herbalists, acupuncturists, uh, dad was his own painter, so both ran their own businesses. Uh, I had some health issues with <clears throat> um, having pretty poor asthma, uh, where at times I had to, you know, spend some nights in hospitals or a few days at times it got pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but through Tai Chi, swimming, uh, changing my diet and, and taking Chinese herbs uh, had a, quite a profound effect uh, where Western medicine wasn't quite um, getting the same outcome uh, and grew out of it by the age of 12. So that was, I think that probably had a, a pretty big influence on me, that that experience. Um, and then from there, just I've always, I guess, enjoyed the feeling of having, I guess, providing other people value and sort of being having a role with, their dreams and their goals as well and as a fitness coach wherever no matter what population you work with um some someone generally has something that they want to get better at and that they're pretty motivated so try to find that if they're not sure what it is and then um i guess create a plan with that person on how we're going to get there um and almost having that sort of team work aspect and that's where team sport has been quite um a good fit for me where everyone at the club both staff and players and administration are all there for the same sort of purpose and same goal so that's uh, quite motivating and, and a great place to wake up in the morning and go to work uh, but yeah i think 
that's probably where it stemmed from. So a bit of a life experiencing in, I guess, what life threw at me in my journey. And then um, I, I enjoyed yeah, teaching people skills that I guess I've learned along my journey and, and sharing that with others. Yeah. Yeah. And really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess from, from having asthma and be, being fairly debilitated, really, I guess, hospital inpatient stays. And then I guess, you know, Western med- medicine, not really helping and then looking for other kind of ways of healing. I mean, in, just to pick out one of those, I mean, the Tai Chi, is that something mm-hmm. that you you still do? Is that something you incorporate? Do you incorporate some of some of these kind of Eastern practices into your into, into your coaching? Uh, I think so. I think just in terms of uh, I don't deliberately. So Tai Chi, I don't take the footballers through Tai Chi practice. Yeah. Um, from that point of view, but I think uh, seeing it as as myself as I guess a teacher at times and having that hat on, not always as a as a you know, way of trying to understand where the other person's coming from and meeting them in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think that can have a uh, that sort of effect. But I think um, going back to the question in terms of applying, you know, I guess being mindful with your communication. Um, being mindful with, with the energy you're bringing to your sessions so that mindfulness um, aspect as well. Uh, but the, the Tai Chi was more or less just a breathing um, routine that I do every morning. Um, and Qi Gong was another I think, thing that we played with. But we, yeah, my mum just wanted to look outside the box because the only antibiotics yeah. and, the, the, um, and the puffer for the rest of your life, which is what I was told, uh, wasn't something she was comfortable with. And yeah. And, and then having these episodes where you did, we'll have to come back to the hospital and spend the night there. Um, so thankful that she did sort of get creative uh, and then uh, it actually shaped her career. She ended up being so inspired by the um, practices and methods that she's now been in Chinese medicine. So she would have started at it around 40 and then she's been doing that for the rest of her career, helping others um, with their health issues. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's something that maybe at a later stage, and thankfully now I'm, healthy and, and functioning um that i'm you know not relying on anything from a from a yeah. health point of view but certainly i'll tap into like if we're on holidays i, I love doing yoga um i love uh, tapping if there's stressful periods of my life i'll always do a mindfulness routine or meditation uh or just some quiet practice or, or just even just walking the dog so i think there's elements where i definitely tap into it yeah. uh, from a mental health point of view physically uh i have those uh, that routine, that uh, the herbs, um, the swimming. I still do swimming, but from time to time. But yeah, the herbs and the, the diet, which was pretty much low sugar diet, was pretty straightforward. And uh, no need to follow it. quite something. Yeah, and uh, I guess really holistic. I mean, mindfulness is something that I talk about a lot on the show. You know, I, I meditate, I use mindfulness. And I don't know, it's such an easy thing to do, really, isn't it? You can be out in nature, you can just, you know, click into mindfulness, you know, calms the whole nervous system down. I mean, it's such such a good practice. I mean, I wanted to kind of move on. Could you tell us a little bit about your program? I mean, how do you, you see, you work with elite athletes, what does your program look like? I mean, how, how do you, what, what do you bring in? I mean, what, what does it look like when you're working with these kind of elite athletes? Is this in terms of my role at Melbourne Football Club, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, both really. I mean, I, I guess you've, you know, I mean, it's your whole career really, you've, you know, you've done this, but I mean, we could maybe focus on Melbourne Football Club. I mean, how do you motivate, you know, the players? I mean, what, you know, what, what is your program? What do you do, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So my role is to work with the injured athletes and 
help them return to play. Uh, so I work very closely with the medical team. We've got we're lucky enough to have a couple of sports doctors. Uh, we've got a sports dietitian, physiotherapist. There's one specifically that I work with, who I work with really closely. She's, she's had the same role as myself. I'm a strength addiction coach. She's a physiotherapist, so we work really closely with the injured athletes. We've also got a sports psychologist that works closely yeah. with him as well, particularly long term injured athletes, but even if you short term, uh, returning back to performance, we're getting back into the routine. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's quite a strong team. We've got sports scientists, sports managers, head of strength and power, and a way to coach. So it's quite a collaborative program. Uh, and I definitely lean on all those expertise to yeah. make sure that the program is maximizing each day for the athletes uh, and that the program's really thought out. But yeah, essentially my role too is an athlete takes a hamstring strain, they get injured on the weekend, um, straight away we'll, we'll work with them, build out a plan. From a motivation point of view, it's obviously a bit of a down period for them. So they can, yeah. when they're still accepting the fact that they're injured and they're not playing, uh, especially at this point of the year where it's finals, it, it's quite disheartening for the athlete. So motivation is really important. Yeah. So my role is understanding the athlete, how they work, which Steve, of course, psychologist can help with, what makes them tick, but also making sure they're really clear on the markers. Um, we're, we're quite objective, so we have clear for the athlete to achieve rather than being time-based. We're quite criteria-based. So um, might have heard in the media or someone else has told them it's going to be a 12-week injury, but we, we go back to the markers and say, well, it doesn't necessarily have to take 12 weeks. Um, let's just focus on this next step, which is basically small goal setting. Let's work on building this capacity. Once we hit this box and we move on to the next stage, we might get that work done in nine weeks and be available. So, yeah, rather than going to time, I think it works quite well from a motivation point of view is having objective markers that the athletes can sort of work to, and that builds momentum, builds confidence, and hopefully gets to the point where they're actually physically in better state than they were pre injury. So, going into that first game, they feel confident that they're ready to not only delay, but actually perform. I mean, I, I guess, I guess there must be a strong mental health component. Yeah, I, I guess I, I hear about you. There's real team working, and there's a sports psychologist. But goodness, I mean, during the season, if a player gets injured, I, I mean, I guess every player is going to react to that differently. But it must be a really down moment for them. I mean, looking, you know, looking at the injury and then looking at a period of rehabilitation and not being able to play. I mean, that players must be pretty down, right? Depending on the, the kind of injury they get. I mean, you have to motivate them. Is, is that difficult sometimes, Jack? I mean, I guess everyone everyone's going to react to that differently, probably player-wise, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's my first year in the role. Yeah. It's interesting, the previous roles that I had were more where you're working with the main group and ensuring they're strong and fit and yeah. um, performing. Um, so in this mindset, you're really, in this role, it's quite interesting. It's almost like a revolving door. One player leaves in a yeah. good mood and, back, and then another <laughs> player comes in and... Um, you sort of got to ride the bumps of, you know, uh, you're always working with those that, yeah, it's, it's a bit of an up and down sort of uh, role. Uh, but I think uh, I quite like it from that one-on-one point of view. Um, you know, the athlete, the environment itself, because we're quite a successful club at the moment, we're in a premiership window, is very motivating. So players want to yeah. come back as quickly as possible and are willing to do whatever it takes to, yeah. to ensure they're going to get back. So the motivation, although it is, early stage when they're sort of accepting the fact that they're injured. I think in this environment, it's, um, it's quite easy for them to find that motivation. It's sort of around them the whole time in the environment. 
they've got really good leadership, great leaders like Max Dorn, who's gone through a couple of ACL injuries. He's our captain, so he's got great empathy for those players that are going through rehabilitation. Um, so I think that really helps where there's plenty of support for those who are injured and going through stuff, and not just the staff, but also players that have been through it as well. Um, so I mean, do, do they ever want to come back earlier? I mean, do, do, do you ever get into conflict? I mean, do, do they, are there times when they feel fit and they're saying to you, yeah, Joe, I'm ready to go back, but, you know, but professionally you don't think they are? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah I thought you might yeah. say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the time, which as you would expect. Um, I would say a lot of the time those probably decisions are above me. That would probably more come down to my boss, who's been in my role in a, in a club for five years, who's been in the industry for over a decade, so he's got a lot of experience. So he would, if there is areas where there's that conflict, or, or just, or, or they're just voicing like the thing that the markers that we've set in place is relevant to them, or whatever their questions are, they're, and they're challenging the program. Um, he he would sort of step into this situation, just make sure the athlete understands where we're coming from, understands yeah. why these markers are in place, um, that it's you know, ultimately to build insurance or act like a vaccine for them so they're not going to get re-injured. Um, so there's nothing worse than coming back to play and then doing that injury again. Um, yeah. Yeah, having, yeah. having to start from one. Um, but also it's also making sure that they've got adequate time training with the main group um, because we don't want them just coming back into training, doing one training session with the main group and then playing. Um, that's not going to set them up to succeed either. Obviously, at the highest level, not just play, but actually perform their role and help teams succeed. So, you okay? But yes, I think going because everyone's quite the, the players are selfless and wanting the team to be the absolute yeah. best. If you bring it back to team performance uh, and making sure that they're ready. Sometimes that means that they need to stick to the program, stick to hitting those markers to ensure that uh, mm. it's got shape to perform. But um, there's also times where, you know, we, the athlete, will be right and they will, you know, if we, if we, if we roughly say you'll get these markers done in six to eight weeks and they say, oh, I'll do it in five. And yeah. there's times where they, where they do and we're not going to hold them back if they, they and, um, that's where it's quite a, a Good thing. It's nice to have that be that surprise and, and have those athletes um, go against the norm, but the trend and, and do you know, achieve the work. And then suddenly they've hit all their markers and they're back playing, like they said. So it's, it's almost kind of acting in a good way where they almost see it as a challenge and it kind of motivates them to prove, prove wrong. And, and that goes back to what I was saying before, where you just got to understand the beast, I guess, and everyone's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And motivate them to be their protagonists. Um, yeah, I'll just do one second. Okay, okay, no worries. Sorry about that. That's, that's okay, yeah. we could we, we'll edit that bit out. I mean, when, yeah. when players come back, I mean, if, I guess if they have a bad injury, so you know, so they you, you'll help them re- rehabilitate, they'll be ready to you know to, to get playing again. I'm guessing some of them have a bit of a bit of anxiety around getting injured again, do they? I mean, if it's a bad injury, they start playing. That's probably a mental, a kind of mental component is there sometimes. They're worried about stretching themselves, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, uh, 
there'd have to be nearly every injury. I think there'd be an element of but certainly the contact injuries, like broken legs or, yeah. or significant knee injuries, um, where yeah, there's that contact player and there's, there's that, I guess, particularly the last time they did that. Yeah. Um, significantly, it's trauma um, that yeah. they experienced. So um, whether it's significant pain or um, what they saw or how they felt, um, the whole experience is pretty vivid. So, yeah, I think uh, repetition uh, can really help. So from them, but also the things they can do um, behind the scenes with the sports psychologist in terms of visualization tools. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you're just going to have to um, prepare that athlete to be faced in those circumstances. It's probably a more uh, controlled situation, uh, and then get them position for that, and then they start to feel more familiar. The anxiety starts to come down, and then progress that to a point where they're dealing with that match intensity or even above match intensity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking at, I mean, it must be so individual, right? Because I mean, every player that comes to you, you know, they come to you, they got their, I mean, they're all elite athletes, of course, but they come with their own personal histories and, you know, maybe some of them have a history of mental health. And, and, and when I hear you say trauma, I think, goodness me, yeah, I mean, that is the right word. If a player breaks their leg, I mean, I mean, goodness me, that's massive, isn't it? I mean, even a torn ham, hamstring for an elite athlete, it's massive, isn't it? I mean, in terms of, I mean, if a player break, breaks their leg, Jack, I mean, what's the rehabilitation for that? I mean, that's, that must take ages. It must, must take a long time for them to be back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can take. We had a player at Hawthorne. It uh, happened at one of the last, uh, last years. It was a couple of weeks ago, pre-season. And they'd just done the whole pre-season with that player. Uh, and they broke their leg in training with a clash of legs. Like wow. And, um, yeah, 
full on journey, even just to get back to jogging, um, was looking a hell of a lot of work. And, um, I wasn't involved in the rehab role at that point. I was looking after the young uh, players with their athletic development. Um, but I know working closely with the rehab coach there, that um, the work that went into both mental and the physical side to get back to playing, uh, yeah, it was just a lot. Uh, and that was someone who was a pretty hard worker as well. So yeah. um, following the work wasn't an issue, but just the fact of that, how that injury happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But they're, up, they're back to playing now. So um, yeah. if, if, if using tools that, you know, if, they have, if there's any coaches that have gone, like luckily there was an assistant coach that went through a similar experience where he broke his leg and he returned back to playing for a couple of years uh, before retiring. So having those reference points, having those people at the club that you can lean on and have good relationships with players, uh, with any other players that have, have gone through a similar injury, reach out to them. And if you haven't got anyone internally, then reach out to other clubs and other people that have gone through it and then sort of share their experiences, what they're going through, the ups and downs. Yeah, I think that helps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, all of the support around, but I guess the rehabilitation, you know, it's so one-to-one. I mean, it must be, I mean, looking at a player that's used to being around the team, you know, and it's a, it's a team sport, and then they're in rehabilitation one-to-one. That must be kind of lonely for them, really. Mm. It's really yeah, different, isn't it? Yeah. We try to integrate them as best we can, uh, whether it be, in, you know, environments, things like team meetings, still stay engaged in team meetings, um, still going to the, like in the gym, we, we break the group up into thirds, so make sure where we can and it works with their schedule because sometimes they have a lot of external uh, experts that we see or appointments with surgeons and things like that where we need checkups where, of course, we yeah. adjust their schedule. But where we can, we try to integrate with the group as, as best we can. Um, so the days that the main group are training, um, we prioritise to fit the rehab in on those days so they're still around. Um, their teammates um, but naturally just because of the especially when you're in season which we are now yeah. um, the content during the week is more recovery based and then gearing up for a game where when you're in rehab you're more in that pre-season mode where you're getting you know three yeah. to four training sessions a week um, so there is a long time like, if you have me and the athlete which keeps me fit because I just jump in <laughs> with <laughs> yeah, them uh, along the way <laughs> Yeah, but 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 uh, but in terms of, I mean, obviously you bring you know all of your experience and all of your skills to you know to rehabilitating the athlete. But I mean, in terms of using like you know emotional intelligence and and empathy, because you must really have to use a lot of that as well. Because I guess you you've got to establish a really good relationship with every single player that that comes in, really. So I guess you, you're doing both, aren't you? you? You know, you're doing the physical, but there must be a lot of kind of mental stuff that you're doing with these players as well yeah i think so i think it's an element of having i, I focus i bring it back to support and stretch so there's periods of the role where someone will need me to support them that day uh and i'll tap into that there'll be other days where they'll need to be stretched and challenged yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll tap into that but there's also a lot of uh people around me that they're you know, like we have a, so we have the sports like like i talked about but we also have player welfare uh yeah. so reese conquer who's an ex-player so he's got uh, a great understanding of um, what it's like to be an AFL player. He, he played like only, I think he retired like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's got great emotional intelligence as well. So uh, he's in a great position to be able to uh, support those that are going through hard times, whether it be injuries or just um, yeah. poor form or whatever it might be, not not getting collected in the senior side. 
uh, or just simply just going through some things outside of footy. Uh, he's very, very good at, um, yeah, sort of giving the players a bit of a cuddle, whether it be an emotional cuddle or physical cuddle and, uh, and helping them along. Um, the players itself, the medical team. Um, but there's certainly times where if it's just one-on-one, of course, uh, then I'll be uh, that guy to help and step up in that, not just focus on the physical, but also just tap into yeah. what's keeping you busy outside of football because um, everyone around them playing and that's their purpose and suddenly their purpose has been ripped away from yeah, them. Yeah, totally. Um, so you can engage in a good book or a series or some sort of hobby or study for the longer term, then I think that could be quite helpful as well. A nice distraction, um, just something else to focus on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I guess they have to focus on other stuff, but I, I mean, I think of someone that, you know, in the middle of the season, I mean, goodness me, I mean, it must impact some of these players so much. You know, one minute they, you know, they're, they're, they're moving forwards and they're playing, they're doing what they love, and then the next minute, you know, they're they're at home, they're watching a Netflix box set or something. I mean, I mean, depending on the player, I mean, it must some of them it must be massively difficult for them to. Well, I guess they push forward because you know they're they're wanting to play again. But for some of them, the trauma of it must be massive. You know, is it difficult to motivate some of the players? I mean, if the players had a really bad injury. Are they always motivated, or do you have to do a lot of motivation? Because I guess some of them get down, right? Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, they probably put on a bit of a proud face when they're at the club. Uh, okay. Or, or, or probably a happy face. Or, or, or um, the ones, I wouldn't necessarily say doing the work is the problem. It's probably just um, doing the work at the level um, probably needs an element of reminding at times. Or, or um, but for some, it might also just be their first year in the system. So they're learning the ropes and they're still learning off the senior players. Uh, and then now they're in rehab, which you don't get as much of that um, feedback yeah. from the senior players. So that's where it can be uh, our role to help them um, on, yeah, lifestyle habits, um, training habits, and those sort of things. Uh, but generally, from a motivational point of view, when they're at the session uh, and they're moving, I think it, they're pretty good. It's probably more just the when you're not at the club, yeah. is is and you're not seeing them is probably where there's more of a, a change. But I mean that's only an assumption, but only because their their purpose isn't there. So you you're naturally probably not going to do as much quality recovery sessions. Uh, mm. Maybe perhaps the food slips, so we make sure it's sports dietitian we're monitoring. You know that they're still eating well, fueling their training. Um, that their body composition isn't changing too much. Um, yeah, good naturally just wanting comfort food. So that that's where. Yeah. It's probably the stuff away from the club that there's probably bigger changes from an action point of view. Um, but when they're at the club, due to the environment and the culture, yeah. um, I feel like it's not a big rock of or a big focus of mine is motivation. Um, yeah. That's something that's generally there. It, it might you might just need to be um, because it's not football, so it's not the things that they necessarily love doing. Like yeah. they love playing football, they don't love lifting weights, uh, doing conditioning, yeah. doing you know cross training. Uh, those sort of things. So it's just going back to like, how is this going to help them play um, football uh, at the highest level and return back to what they do love. So that's where connecting the dots is really important. They're not on the bike because we're trying to improve their bike capacity. They're on the bike because we want to try and improve their ability to repeat high-intensity um, positions, which is really important for their specific role as a maybe a, a speed forward, for example. Um, so, yeah, connecting back to the game, I think, is really important um, when they're not. Uh, playing so then they can understand okay this is gonna this is gonna help me and my football 
Yeah, I mean, I guess with with elite athletes, yeah, I, I hit the, the motivation. Maybe is not always that difficult, but I mean, is it? I guess you've got to be, you know, really up and really inspiring and really motivational every day. Is is that hard sometimes? <laughs> because obviously, you yeah. have a bad day sometimes, right? You have a bad night's sleep or something. But you know, but I guess in your role, as I imagine it to be, you've got to be very motivational, very inspirational. Is it always easy to do that? some days more yeah. easy than others yeah i think in the when i was working in the, uh, with general population in, as a personal trainer that probably i felt more um of an expectation to be that or maybe because i was a younger coach i'm not sure yeah we're now sort of um one i'm probably am working with a more of a motivated uh population just because the of the environment they're in and yeah. who they yeah. are as well but um i definitely felt felt that where I was a personal trainer and you you yeah you need to show up for this person and be sort of their um role model, I guess. Yeah. Because of uh, the role I met in the football club, their best role models are the players, um, in a sense, really, yeah. ra- rather than the, the support staff. Uh, so I don't feel that as much in this role, but I do want to bring my best self to every day to maximize their program yeah. and their day. Um because um, that's what I feel like they deserve. So yeah. making sure that I do get some training in the start of the day. Uh, and uh, I've got my, you know, I'm always writing stuff down um, to things that I think will be important from a programming point of view or something that might help that player. Um, so that real intentional thinking, I think is important. Uh, the yeah. collaboration piece, because I'm new to the role as well, learning off uh, all my peers that have got a lot of experience in the industry, uh, making sure that um, they're, um, thoughts and philosophies are going into uh, yeah. the programming. Uh, so asking lots of questions, I think, is really important. That's probably more my mindset is, and from an energy point of view. Um, it's probably focusing on making sure that the program is, you know, the best it possibly can to maximise each day. Um, but from a energy point of view or motivation, it's quite easy for me to be motivated because I've, I've been I worked a long time to get to this role. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's something that I love doing. Um, and it's something that I'm passionate about. So, yeah, um, yeah that, that aspect comes quite naturally, the motivational piece internally for me because I enjoy what I'm doing. Not saying there's days where, like you said, yeah, with um, my son at the moment, he's been quite sick for a few weeks, so he's got an earache, he's not sleeping very well. So my wife and I are definitely uh, having some, um, you know, we've also got an 11-month uh, baby as well. So if sleep isn't something that great, where you definitely feel like oh, I've got to pick myself up today and, Maybe it might be a nice bath or or you know a a workout that I need to do just to perk myself up. Um, yeah, to, to make sure that you're still present and, and your best self, I guess, for the players. Uh, but also sometimes it's just days where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm probably not as sharp as you know, own up to it. I'm just yeah, bit of a rough night's sleep last night, and you know, and um, I don't think the players are reliant on me for their energy. Um, so it's not something it's something I can be open and honest with. Yeah, I mean, you seem fairly inspirational as a person, really. I mean, I guess that comes fairly easy to you, really. I mean, you 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 you're kind of naturally like that. Would would you? I think they, uh, you come over. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like to be optimistic and positive yeah. in the way that I sort of look at things and and bring energy to to I guess my day um, and have that. I think that purpose is is the key. So. Yeah. Um, living in your purpose, I think it just allows that that energy to flow. Uh, and then also, I'm I love being. Uh, uh, I've got a greyhound kelpie dog. Uh, I feel like 
Uh, I'm a bit of that mix. Like I can easily be a Kelpie and be high energy, but then I love being a greyhound or a cat and just light and just could be a cat potato as well and just yeah. restore that energy uh, and recharge the batteries, um, which I think is an important aspect. And, we, and the schedule almost allows that because we get two full days off um, from um, where I've still, for staff, that's a lot of planning and, um, and a lot of reporting and, and um, programming on those days. Um, but I think those two days are really important just to, yeah, do whatever you need to do as, as a person to sort of recharge. Um, so, yeah, I think that works quite well as well. The schedule almost allows you to sort of um, bring energy to those days because you know that um, you're going to have your, your days off every couple of days as well. Yeah, so you get your reboot time. You, you okay? Uh, I, I, I'm not going to keep you much longer, but uh, could I just start? Do okay, okay. No, no, no problem, no problem. Yeah, that's okay, Jack. I'm not going to keep you much longer because I know you're looking after your, your son. But I, I, at the end of the show, I ask all of our guests, what what do you do to keep yourself, you know, to sustain good mental health? I mean, what what do you do to look after yourself? Uh, I think um, well, there's a few things. So I know uh, understanding, um, so purpose for me is really, really important. So having a clear purpose of what yeah. I'm doing, whether that be um, family time, you know, enjoying that, uh, whether that be, um, yeah, business or my role in a football club. Um, so that, that's really important. I think the, from an energy point of view, the things that I get a lot of energy from um, is feeling like I can add value to um, my workplace and as well as my home, um, make sure that um, on that downtime, it's quite intentional. So, like things that I love to do is like go for a surf, um, make sure I keep myself physically fit. Yeah. Uh, so, um, looking after my body as well. Like with playing in the role, I do a lot of football and football drills. So, making sure I stay on top of my body and looking after my body from a stretching, um, mobility point of view. Um, I think those things are important. And then when it's just, the role can have. Um, pressure and elements where things don't quite go to plan um, and there can be frustration with that. So that's where mental health things can be fine. Um, breathing exercises, uh, I think, can be quite helpful to make sure that, um, that I guess, you're not letting that sort of just uh, compound and have a compounding effect, um, but you're sort of focusing on yeah, just uh, being present with that stress and thinking and, you know, talking about it as well. Like, um, my wife's uh, very supportive uh, and she's um, really good in the space of understanding uh, elite sport, um, what it brings, but also being in the industry of health and fitness as well. She understands how important it is that we look after ourselves. So I think um, the, the feeling of, although you, you want to be really selfless and um, help others, I think if you're working in the industry of helping others, you need to make sure you're looking after yourself as number one to be able to Agreed. really help yeah. um help others and really uh, be your best for either those you're working for or for your family. Um, so I think having that at the forefront of what what works well for you, what is your you know, ideal day and week, month sort of look like and what are your important little uh, energisers, I guess, along the way um, that you know you need as well to keep yourself at your best, um, which I think is a forever, you know, ever, forever evolving um, for me. I think it's something that you just, chip away at and you never get right every day um but you just yeah. 
you might need a little reminder every so often, like, oh, yep, uh, I need to go for a surf and book one in. I've forgotten to do that for six weeks or um, go for a walk or whatever it might be just to check in and um, be aware um, because it can, it, it, that right now in my stage of life, it's definitely a busy time being having two kids running a business yeah. and then working in elite sports. I think you can get caught up. Um, so having that moment of just slowing down um, and making sure that you're reflecting, I guess, on where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I guess just pulling one part of that, that out, I mean, you've got to be in peak performance, you've got to be kind of you know, in peak condition yourself. And I guess the exercise, you know, it's so, so good for mental health, isn't it? I mean, the fact you exercise every day, I mean, it's the best thing for mental health. And I guess the surfing as well, you're in nature, it's probably really nice where you surf. So, I mean, that brings in good feelings. I'm kind of conscious of not keeping you too long because I know you're looking after your son. So, listen, we'll, we'll finish there, Jack, but I just want to really thank you for coming on the show. And uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when the when the show comes out. And it's been really good to meet you. No, I appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been great to chat and uh, hopefully I could provide some value for, you, for your listeners. And yeah, thank you for having me on. And I just want to thank Jack again for coming on the show. Uh, there's a few points where we had to um, just kind of edit the video and edit the sound recording where Jack kind of went off and um, was doing a bit of childcare. Um, but it's so nice of Jack, you know, to come on the show. And what what an interesting and inspiring guest. Um, some of the things he said around purpose, I thought, were really interesting. I didn't really have the time to follow up on that and really kind of takes me back to you know the episode with Carlos Vasquez you know who talks a lot about you know being in your purpose and you know that being really motivational and a real driver you know for not only happiness but you know pushing forward in your life uh, again there were so many things that I could have asked Jack you know I was going to ask him a, li a little bit about men and mental health um, we did touch on mental health in terms of some of the players and the trauma of injury um, and wanting to come back from injury um, and moving from being in a group situation um, to one-to-one -one rehab with Jack. Um, Jack's CV, obviously, I didn't read out on the show, but goodness me, what, what an impressive CV. I mean, Jack has done an incredible amount, you know, and now working for, you know, top tier um, Australian rules football team um, as the rehabilitation coach. Um, great interview. Um, and Jack kindly offered to perhaps come on again at some point. So we may be able to get Jack back on. Um, so thanks again. I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about Are You OK Day? Um, it's Are You OK Day today. Um, and I just want to kind of say that, you know, are you okay day is all about checking with mates and family members and just asking whether they're okay it's an important day in terms of mental health in australia um, and asking family members you know friends colleagues if they are if they are okay can obviously sometimes open up really really you know important and connecting conversations um so very very important day and i think very important that i mention it today and also I wanted to mention Joe's film premiere. Um, Joe's film, I Miss You, premieres on the 7th of October. Um, we'll put some links on our social media to the event and how you can get hold of it. 
Um, I've, I've still not seen it, you know, but I'm very, very excited to see it. It looks like a really, really fantastic project. And as some of our listeners will remember, um, Joe's films, Anxious Me and Anxious Me Too, you know, both won awards uh, in Australia. So really, really excited to see the uh, premiere of I Miss You. Um, again, we'll have them on, have the links on our social media websites. There's a Q&A, I think, after the premiere. Um, where you can talk to the cast, talk to Joe. Um, so, you know, please check that out. Um, we've got another show coming to you on Friday, um, which is going to be a really, really fantastic show, talking around yoga, breathwork, uh, and much, much more. So watch out for that one. Um, and again, just to thank you all for listening, as I always say, probably too repetitively, <laughs> We wouldn't have a show without you. I mean, our numbers are really, really growing. Um, so thank you for all of our listeners. And again, I would say a lot of people listen and don't subscribe. Uh, it helps us massively if you subscribe. Um, subscribe to the podcast, the audio podcast on you know whichever platform you listen to. Yeah, and also the YouTube channel, which is getting a lot less hits. Uh, I mean, if you want to check out the videos of some of the interviews on season four, then check out Psychotherapy Unfogged um, YouTube. And yeah, and any comments, likes and subscribing again would be very, very much appreciated. Um, yeah. And as I always say, look after yourselves, look after each other, look after the planet. And I'll see you soon on the next episode. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you have been affected by any of the topics on this show or any other of our shows, um, if you're in the UK, then please reach out. Um, Samaritans can be contacted on 116-123. Now, the GP is also a good source of um, contact and can be the gateway for you know, counselling services and other mental health support. Um, reach out to your mental health support team, um, mental health first aider, um, or trusted friend, colleague, or family member. We have a lot of international listeners. Um, so if you're listening from a non-UK country, um, then please reach out to you know your country's healthcare and mental health care providers. Um, and remember, it's okay not to be okay. Hashtag psychotherapy on with Mark.